Welcome to Belfast City Vineyard, where we are pursuing formation in the presence of Jesus, community gathered around him, and the impact he empowers us to bring in our families, city, and the world. The following message was given at one of our Sunday services. For more information, visit our website at BelfastCityVineyard.com. Good morning. For those of you that I haven't met yet, my name is Sarah and it is really great to be here with you this morning as we continue in our new series called What Might Happen If. This is a new short sermon series that Andy started last week that we are going to be journeying together for the next few weeks before we focus on Lent, Holy Week and Easter. So if you missed him introducing that, you can catch up with it online. Today I am going to be talking about what might happen if I talk to others about Jesus. Your immediate response to that might be, oh no, it's a talk on evangelism and if you could see how my week went or what my day right now is looking like, you would know that that is not what I need to hear. And if that is you, please stick with me because I think that there is something for all of us in this. Some of you might have heard the words, what might happen if I talk to others about Jesus and thought, I'd vomit, I'd run a mile, nothing would happen because it never does, or it would be really awkward, or maybe, I don't know, because I haven't done it in a really long time. Others of you are thinking, it's class, it's what I live for. So no matter where you find yourself, I think there is something for all of us in this what might happen if. So let's take a look at the start of Acts. This book is written by Luke, one of Jesus' disciples, and it starts just before Jesus ascends into heaven. So, just to set the scene, Jesus has been killed, crucified, and he's come back to life. He's risen, and he spent his last days with his disciples, his closest friends, who know his real identity now, that he is the Son of God, the Messiah. He's been teaching them, answering their questions. They've been hanging out together, eating meals. And the last question that they ask him, we read in chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. It says, Then they were gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These verses are really familiar to some of us, and they're known as the Great Commission, where Jesus' disciples are saying to him, Now that we know who you really are, Are you going to occupy Rome? Are you going to take back what is rightfully ours and restore our land to us? And at the minute, this is a very familiar situation in the world today. So we can understand some of the desperation that the disciples would have been in. But Jesus responds to them by saying, that is not for you to worry about. God will do it when he chooses. But here is what you are to do. You are to receive power and strength from the Holy Spirit and then go and tell everyone about me. Dunn, who is a New Testament writer, says this. The impact of the Spirit is characteristically one of transformation, of enabling what would be impossible in human strength alone. It is only in the strength of this power that comes from God that the mission of witness can be carried through. 
He is saying here that the Holy Spirit will equip you and you need to go and tell people in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the whole world about me. The disciples were to go to their own villages, neighbours, then to the region, so one step removed if you like, and then to a different region which at that time was known to be pretty difficult and they were probably going to get a hostile reception and then go to the rest of the world. Jesus is saying, start close and move outward in your circle of influence in telling people about me. And I think that Jesus is still saying the same thing to his disciples, you and me today. He's saying, get powered up, or for many of us, recharged up and go talk to the people around you about me. Yet, it's not always that easy, is it? I want to have a look at some of the reasons why not. When I first saw the title in this series, I thought I will do any of those talks apart from talking to people about Jesus. I kid you not, yet here I am today. You see, I have this kind of Jonah and Nineveh reaction to talking about Jesus. I often run as far as I can from it, yet Jesus always brings me back to it and I find myself sometimes in the oddest of situations. I absolutely think it is important and vital and it needs to be done. And in answer to what might happen if people talked about Jesus, well, I think in fact... In fact, I believe wholeheartedly that our relationships, our families, our cities, everything would be better. But I am no good at it and I feel so incredibly awkward doing it. And if I'm honest, it just isn't my bag. Now, I fully appreciate that this might be really weird coming from the person preaching on the topic this morning. But let me explain it to you. You see, in this kind of environment right now... Talking about Jesus or in a youth event or at a Bible summer camp or even better in a foreign country where no one knows me and I've arrived as part of a church team or in storehouse or with a different charity. I love those environments to talk about Jesus because it is obvious why I am there and what I'm doing. I mean, you have tuned in this morning to listen about Jesus. So it's not awkward or weird, but talking to my non-Christian friends about Jesus or even friends who do have a faith just in my everyday, for me, that is just awkward and weird. And I am not that person who bumps into a stranger in the lift, shares my faith with them and they become a Christian. I wish I was, but it's not me. And my guess is that it isn't most of you either. A number of years ago, I was traveling with a friend who works for the church and I just observed her in conversation with people that we met. And it was so easy for her to talk about Jesus. The conversations kind of went like this. Hi, what's your name? So what do you do? And she responded, oh, I'm a pastor. And then it was like a green light to talk about Jesus. Sometimes it was great conversation, sometimes she was interrogated and it seemed like the person offloaded every offence that every religious person had ever caused them. But either way, she was still talking about Jesus. But for me, the conversation went, hi, what's your name, what do you do? Oh, I'm a teacher. And then we launched into the education system in Northern Ireland. What did I think about selection? What were the latest teaching methods? And don't get me wrong, it was all great chat, but not about Jesus. And so I realised that I had this subconscious kind of idea that talking about Jesus wasn't really my responsibility. 
it was the job of people who get paid to do it. And that same year, I was on a career break and I spent all of this time thinking God had a great big plan for what I was going to do with this newfound free time I had when my kids were at school. You know, it was some divine purpose he had, which of course he did, but it didn't look like what I thought it would. It looked like me getting to know three mums from the playground who weren't even particularly my kids' friends' parents, but they kept asking me to go for coffee and I kept saying no because, well, I didn't really want to go because I was going to be doing great things for God with my free mornings, not drink coffee with people that I didn't know. And so as I walked home and I was really praying that God would show me what I was going to do with my time and how I could use it, And I was recounting my week to a good friend and he said to me, what if those mums are actually where God would have you spend your time? They seem really, really keen to hang out with you. And I was like, really? You think? And so the next time they asked me, I said, okay. And we started going for walks on Tuesday mornings and I got to chat and hear about their lives and it wasn't deep and meaningful. It was just small talk. And then one day the topic of church came up and the conversation went from there and I ended up praying with two of them and our chit chat turned into real conversation because we had spent a few months building this mutual trust and respect. I realised that I needed to merge my universes. My normal life and my spiritual life needed to become one. I needed to share all of Sarah and actually I was as responsible for talking about Jesus as much as people who get paid to do it for their jobs. It required a lifestyle change and Doug Nunk talks about how we cannot separate our spiritual lives from our everyday lives. He writes, the spiritual dimension of life is not separate from the rest of life. Our belief in an omnipotent, omnipresent creator God leads us to the conclusion that there is a spiritual dimension to every aspect of our lives, our emotions, our actions, our words, and every activity we participate in. Having this outlook can help us realise that we can perceive and discover the spiritual in all creation and in every activity of life. What Nunk is getting at here is the fact that we are Christians all the time. Jesus is at the centre of everything we do every single day. And when we're talking with Christians and non-Christians alike, he should be at the centre of that too. And if we focus on demonstrating the gospel in the way we live and communicate the gospel and our love for Jesus as we talk about our everyday life, then foundations are laid for the bigger conversations and questions. For example, how was your weekend? You're probably going to be asked it tomorrow by somebody. Colleagues ask me this question every single Monday morning and I usually end up talking about oh, I took the kids to rugby, gymnastics, might mention something I watched on TV or a meal we had, you know, usual small talk. But what I'm trying to do is I'm now trying to talk about saying I went to church or about something that impacted me or I talk about something meaningful that a friend from church did to encourage me over the weekend. Is it talking about Jesus? No. Is it taking a step of faith? 
Yes, it's a moment that lays the groundwork for the moments when they'll ask you about your faith or when you'll ask if you can tell them something that you think will encourage them. And this is what Jesus did. The New Testament mentions time after time when Jesus went and had dinner with people who weren't his closest friends, often people who would openly oppose him. He was in their company. He was laying the groundwork. In Luke chapter 7 verse 36 we read, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. This passage goes on to tell the powerful story of a woman anointing and washing Jesus' feet with her hair, tears and perfume. But before that happened, Jesus was having dinner in Simon the Pharisee's house. And similarly, in Luke chapter 14 verse 1 we read, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. He went to dinner parties of people who were his religious opponents. They weren't his best friends. It probably wasn't the easiest company. He probably had to up his game, as we would say, but Jesus went, he did their things. So when our non-Christian friends invite us to one of their things, round to their house for dinner, to go to a gig, to have a quiz over Zoom, we should go. My daughter was invited to a birthday party at the ice bowl a number of weeks ago to someone in her class's party and a few of the other mums were saying that they were going to go and have a coffee and watch and I didn't really want to. I didn't want to stay as I had loads of things to do and I knew that my daughter would be fine but I thought I'll stay a wee while, have a quick chat and then I'll head home. But before you know it, there was me handing in my shoes to get ice skates because some of the girls couldn't do it. The mum running the party was up to her eyes and in that moment I just acted, I didn't even think. It's been over 20 years since I have had a pair of ice skates on but there I was showing these nine-year-olds how to do it. It was comical, thankfully I didn't fall and Matt, my husband, rang to see where I was because I still wasn't home two hours later. And one of the parents said, oh, is your husband really cross because you're late? And I said, oh, no, he's just ringing because we were meant to go to church, but it's actually started and ended now. And so then she asked me what church we went to, asked me about God. And it was really, really easy to talk about Jesus. It wasn't awkward at all because I had connected on an emotional level with her on the ice rink, all because I put on a pair of ice skates. And this is what I have found time and time again, by being me, not some polished advert for the Christian life, but investing in relationships. It's actually easy to talk about Jesus and not awkward and it doesn't make me want to vomit. Anthropologists and sociologists would say that we are currently living in a post-Christian age where people find belonging in relationship first and then their behaviours change and then they believe. And it's true. Evangelism or talking about Jesus isn't something we do, it's something we need to become. Humans, so all of us, regardless of our belief in God, we want community, we want to find belonging, and that for me is like a green light. I can do that. I can be in community with people because all of us want to be known on a deep level. Even those who are highly cautious of others really want to be known. They just have reasons as to why they feel unsafe. And so by taking the time to understand others first, we challenge a preconception that many people have about Christians. 
I think many people are waiting for us to spring our download on them. People are not used to others being interested in them just because of being interested in them for them. And unfortunately, in society, people often only have time for you when they want something from you. And so people aren't accustomed to being asked a series of questions that show you're authentically interested in truly knowing them. They don't expect it because it's uncommon in our culture. But when we become known as a person who listens well, the opportunities to speak follow. For me, talking about Jesus isn't learning to communicate what we believe. Sorry. For me, talking about Jesus is learning to communicate what we believe in a way that's consistent with how people see us demonstrating the gospel daily. So what does that mean? Basically, what you say needs to match how you live. So if I say I'm really into fitness, but I never do exercise, or I love sea swimming, but actually I've still never done it, or my family is my priority, but I haven't seen them all week because I've been out with my friends. It doesn't add up. If what we communicate doesn't match up with what people see in our lives, then when we talk about Jesus, it has no meaning. Sam Chan puts it really nicely. He says, being bold sometimes means explaining the gospel to someone, but often there are steps that need to lead up to that. Some of those steps include making sure Jesus and our Christian community feature strongly in how we describe our normal life. We need to be honest and open in our conversation. So when my non-Christian friends ask me, am I free to do such and such? Instead of just saying no, I now say no because I'm at life group or no, that's the only day this week I have to spend time with Jesus. And some then ask, oh, why are you doing that? Or what do you do when you do that? And with my Christian friends, I have found that it gives them permission to do the same. This week, I was walking out of work with a new member of staff and he was telling me about an interview that he had later in the week. And I was just wishing him all the best for it and said I would really be praying it went well. And I could see that he was shocked, almost stunned. And he stopped and he thanked me and he said, you know, that means an awful lot. Thanks so much. Did I talk to him about Jesus? No. Did I pray in the car park for him? No but I might offer to next time that I'm talking to him because the groundwork had been laid. You see, as followers of Jesus, our weekend and our daily lives are different in significant ways from the weekends and daily lives of others. So don't hide that. Talk about it. People will become curious, even if they don't immediately ask you what you believe and why. When we talk about Jesus, our goal is never to convert, but rather it's to be salt and light. We hear that analogy all the time throughout the Bible, but what does it mean? I think it means that we should be a positive influence to those around us, a beneficial presence. So when we're in the room, the atmosphere changes in a good way. We bring lightness with our conversation because my best witness isn't my knowledge of the Bible or of the Christian faith, but it's my character and my integrity. So we just need to be ourselves. We need to let our universes, our spiritual and our non-spiritual lives merge and see what happens. And my question to you this morning is where is your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria right now? Who is Jesus calling you to this week to talk about him with? Is it your closest friends or family? 
Is it your Judea, so the people one step removed from you? Maybe that's your colleagues in work, or your kids' friends' parents, or your friends' friends, or maybe you're in Samaria and it's the people you come across in Tesco's, or the person that makes you a cup of coffee in a shop. I don't know, but I would really challenge you to ask Jesus that this morning. Where is he calling you this week? And the beauty of it and the reason that I don't run a mile from it anymore is because it's the Holy Spirit that brings the power. We just need to show up and have the conversations and in some cases put on a pair of ice skates. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you equip us to do everything that God asks us to do. I ask Holy Spirit that you would come right now, that you would touch every single person who is listening today. Would you anoint them in a fresh way, Holy Spirit? Would you equip them for the conversations that you have for them today and this week? God, I ask for a supernatural courage and increase in faith to be deposited in each one of us right now. Holy Spirit, would you help us to take risks and to talk about you in our everyday lives? Jesus, we love you, and I ask that you would make us a community of good listeners, of people with integrity and authenticity. Jesus, would you make us more like you? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information about what's happening in the life of our church, or if you have any questions or comments, head over to BelfastCityVineyard.com.